This is the City of God podcast, where Christ meets culture. Welcome to the City of God podcast, where we are weekly talking about today's biggest cultural issues all through the lens of God's infallible word. I am joined today by our co-host, John Rabe, and also by the executive director for the Institute of Faith and Culture and the executive director of the Center for Christian Statesmanship, Lauren Quilley. So Lauren and John... Great to see you today. Thank you. And I, I just want to clarify, Rob, I am the executive director of nothing. I direct nothing. <laughs> I'm not an executive. So uh, Lauren's got it all covered I'm for doing us. The, I'm doing double work. <laughs> That's John. right. I appreciate you covering for me. Someone always has to. Uh, John, it's great to have you on this program every single week as co-host and great to have Lauren joining us today. And a few weeks ago, uh, we did an episode on the Christian left and the response was so overwhelming. Uh, we, we heard comments from people from... Uh, ranging from, I'd never heard of this before, but it makes sense. This is definitely what I'm hearing and seeing in the evangelical church to finally somebody speaking out against it and, and kind of exposing it for what it is and talking about the fatal fruit of the evangelical left. And because we got such a great response from that episode, uh, we are doing part two of the Christian left. It's an enormous topic. And, and the same as you, Rob, I talked with people after that podcast. And for whatever reason, that particularly grabbed uh, the attention of people that I spoke to. And uh, someone told me, you know, I realized that I was in a church where these things were happening. And I didn't realize that they were happening. Yeah. And she had discovered uh, at some point along the line, sort of figured it out. But it was really the contrast with a Bible-believing church uh, that she came to realize what had been going on at the previous one. And, and of course, Lauren is great to have here as well because uh, in the room, I'm the oldest one. And then, Rob, you're about a half generation younger than I am. And then, Lauren, you're about a half generation younger than Rob is. So She's the millennial. A, well, that's the thing. I'm and, the token and, millennial. Thank you. <laughs> more than than a token, though. I, in fact, I wish, uh, I guess tokens can mean representative. I wish you were representative. Uh, Lauren has been, uh, has made, you know, appearances on Fox News and, and other networks talking about these issues, but you have insight into how this is going on and what's wrong with it. And it's important for people to hear it's not just, you know, it's not just somebody from my age group. It's not even somebody just from Rob's age group, that this is a problem that, uh, Young people, millennials, people in their early 30s, people in their late 20s need to also understand because um, this is how the faith gets lost is when these liberalizing tendencies and these these pulls leftward reach into the church. Lauren, would you would you say it's a would I be overstating the fact to say that you are seeing people in your generation, maybe people that you grew up with inside the church, Bible-believing Christians uh, that are now in kind of record numbers embracing woke ideology, um, social justice, and cultural Marxism, even if they wouldn't be blatant about it, that they're certainly uh, adapting to culture and accommodating culture, but, uh, but in the same in, in the same way, they're uh, still, you know, going to church, believe in the Bible, believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, but they're kind of mixing their Christianity with these cultural ideologies. Would that be a, an overstatement? No, I don't think so, Rob, because you have um, young people, you've got people middle-aged, older that go to church, they listen to their pastor, they take that as gospel. And it would be great to be able to do that. You want to rely on that authority figure. But in reality, um, not every pulpit preaches the word of God. And we, we know that 
throughout history. It's not just, you know, our generations in, in this cultural moment, but it really is, you look back to even the Reformation. There were, you know, leaders in the church, in religious movements that took the sacred text and perverted it with whatever was going on in culture, whatever was going on in government. Or cultural we're, accommodation. And we're seeing that today. And so, yeah, absolutely. You go to church, your pastor talks about some cultural issue, whether it's race and identity, whether it's, um, you know, some type of political movement or protests going on in the street whether it's an election issue. And if that makes sense, it's creeped into the church. Why wouldn't you believe that? John, I think it's important for us to reiterate. We've reiterated this point a number of times on this podcast. We at this ministry, at the church, whether it's Coleridge Ministries or Coleridge Presbyterian Church or the Institute for Faith and Culture, we are all for justice. Uh, we are all for uh, uh, treating all people uh, with value, respect, and dignity because they're created in the image of God. Um, so that, let's clarify, that's not what we're pushing against uh, when we talk about some of these issues creeping into the church and we have a conversation concerning the, the Christian left. No, it's, it's, a, it's a really important point to make, too, because that's the, the game that's being played. That's the play that's being run here is if we can make it seem like you, conservative Christian, that your views are bigoted, your views are hateful, your views are... So, then then we can push you out of the mainstream, we can disregard your views. And so that's the, the play that's being run here is that if you believe what every Christian has believed throughout history up until 15 minutes ago, now suddenly you are outside the pale, you're outside the mainstream. And, and, and Rob, you use a, a very important phrase there, cultural accommodation. That's really how all of this happens. And we'll talk a little bit about how specifically it's happening. But Lauren, as someone who is in that millennial age group, uh, I think you probably recognize more than most to hold conservative Christian biblical beliefs um, in in your generation is is far more difficult than it was in my generation, and I, I it was not easy in the in the nineties for me, um, but it's it's far more difficult now. There really is always that constant pull uh, of of accommodation, and and if we don't if we don't stand, the the tide will carry you whether you intend it to or not. Oh, absolutely, and you know you see that on college campuses how difficult it is to be a Bible believing. Uh, Jesus professing Christian or just even a conservative or if you identify as you know a member of the college Republicans you're you're going to be demonized on campus and in, in I would say 95 percent of colleges across the country and that's not just in higher education that's also now in the workforce and you look at all these woke companies that's because you have young people who have gone through these uh, radical left ideology um, indoctrination camps, really. And, mm -hmm. and they come out espousing those views and then putting them into practice in the workplace. And so it's called the secular university, uh, the indoctrination. Camps. And, un and unfortunately, yeah. some Christian universities, too. And I yeah. think that's where you have the Christian left come in. Uh, absolutely. And I think it, it just if if you didn't have a chance to see part one, I encourage you to go back and see part one of the Christian left just for those that are maybe tuning in for the first time and haven't had an opportunity to see the previous episode. When we talk about the Christian left, uh, some call it, you know, uh, in theological circles, progressive Christianity. Mm -hmm. And so what we mean by that is these are individuals or churches or Christian institutions uh, that their statement of faith would line up exactly like any other statement of faith throughout Orthodox 
church history, uh, uh, you know, uh, biblical Orthodox uh, Christianity w- would line up with these churches and these institutions or these individuals. Um, uh, they would be on record saying, we believe in the infallibility of the Word of God, the authority of the Scriptures. Uh, but where it goes off the rails is when you start listening to their messages, mm. when you start thinking about their mission and kind of their approach to some of these cultural issues of life. Um, and so what they're doing is they're not, they're, they're leaving the Bible and they're leaving their statement of faith or their confessions. And they're putting that off to the side. And they're simply saying, we're just going to leave that alone. And we're going to embrace some of these other ideologies that come out of Marxism that come out of the social justice movement or liberation theology. And they're just kind of uh, allowing the two to coexist. So very different than uh, the blatant, um, attack on the word of God in the 20th century with liberalism, where they just blatantly attack the authority of scripture. They blatantly attack the supernatural. Uh, this, this, uh, this agenda of the Christian left is much more sinister because on the surface, they'll say, yeah, we're evangelical Christians. We believe in the Bible. It's their, our only rule of faith and practice. But when you listen to their message and their method of how they're approaching this culture, this cultural moment and everything going on and the chaos of this moment, uh, they're actually abandoning the word of God. So they're using, as as the late Dr. Harry Reader would often say, um, they're borrowing our terms from our theological dictionaries, uh, but they're redefining the words. And I'm glad you made that point, Rob, because I think what's so dangerous is it's not just a separation of here's our statement of faith, and now we're preaching, you know, the American progressive politics from the pulpit. They're using American progressive leftism as yep. the foundation. Yep, hijacking and, the and biblical then doctrine. Mm-hmm. Taking a Bible verse and cherry picking and saying, and this is how the Bible applies. And it really should be the opposite. It should be this is the foundational word of God and what does it speak to yep. politics and government? Absolutely. Culture. And one of the things, and we did talk about this before, but it can never be emphasized enough. Uh, Jay Gresham Machen wrote about this in Christianity and Liberalism yep. 100 years over 100 ago. years ago now. And yep. 1923. Talked, yeah, he talked about the fact, it, well, it's exactly 100 years exactly ago. Exactly 100 years ago. Uh, yep. I'm, I'm good at math that way. Yep. Uh, uh, he he made the point that liberalism is an alternative religion to Christianity, but it co-opts it and uses the same terms. So it uses the same terms, but pours different meaning into that. And so where do you see that happening? Well, let's talk about love, as you mentioned, Rob. Let's talk yep. about justice. Let's talk about it, these. These are terms that all the things we want exactly. as evangelical Christians, but how we get there and, and how we define. They're being redefined and they're yep. being redefined with that that sort of Marxist backing behind them. And, and so we really do have to be very careful. Uh, that's why even creeds and confessions exist. You can say, well, I have no creed but the Bible. Okay, well, the Bible's a very yeah. long book, and yeah. people can use, the, they can cherry pick to to make a case. A creed or a confession says, okay, this is what we believe in a more basic form. It's really important to, to nail down where our churches, where our pastors actually stand on these issues. Yep. And, so we're, and so where we're seeing this, I'm glad you brought that up, this idea, both of you kind of alluded to this idea of cherry picking ideas and uh, kind of uh, redefining terms and doctrines. Uh, so where we see this in the Christian left in particular, so they will use, for instance, Jesus's, which we all would agree with, uh, Jesus's elevation of women in mm-hmm. the first century. They will use that to defend women's pre- pre- reproductive rights, a.k.a 
AA abortion. Uh, they'll use um, Jesus's care for the poor uh, to talk about redistribution yeah, of wealth, redistribution communism. of wealth, yeah, uh, communism and 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 Marxism. And so they'll use all of these biblical doctrines. They'll use particularly the teachings of Jesus. I've heard a pastor in our denomination say that today Jesus would actually line up more with the socialist party in America than any other party in America. So they are openly calling Jesus a socialist or a communist um, to help advance their ideas and to advance their ideology. So it's not a rejection of Jesus. Ultimately, it is a rejection of Jesus. It's a it's it's a misrepresentation of the highest order of who Jesus is and who and and what he represented and what he taught. But they're using Jesus and hijacking his teaching and the gospel and the word of God all to advance social justice, liberation theology, and cultural Marxism. And it's incredibly concerning. And what I think we find, too, is that the progressive left exploits these sort of tension points. Absolutely. Uh, just to give you an example, right now, as we record this, and it will already be in the past by by the time many of our, our, our viewers and listeners actually hear this, but uh, the Southern Baptist Convention is meeting right now in New Orleans. And one of the things that they're having to deal with is the issue of the ordination of women to the pastorate. Yep. Yep. Now, if we're being honest, we would have to admit that as conservative Christians, while that issue was uncontroversial up until 40 or 50 years ago, it's a little more uncomfortable to hold that view. It's more countercultural now to hold the view that the pastorate is retained for men. And yet, the Apostle Paul says that very clearly. Yep. The culture, however, wants to make us feel a little bit funny about holding to that view. Well, maybe that's sexist. Maybe that's bigoted. Maybe I'm holding women back. Maybe sure. I'm. And so what's happening in the Southern Baptist Convention is a faction, a, a, a an important faction led by no less than Rick Warren Saddleback. Uh, you know, of Saddleback Community Church, the purpose driven life, one of the best selling Christian authors in history. Um, he is leading a faction to say, listen, Southern, my fellow Southern Baptists. It's time for us to get with it. It's time for us to enter the 21st century and realize that this is kind of a, a sexist construct that's holding women back. And in our church, Saddleback Community Church, we're ordaining women to the pastorate, and you need to do it too. At least we're not saying you need to do it too, but don't kick us out for just doing that. Let's can't we agree to disagree on this when the Southern Baptist passed in their faith and message, which is their creed, which is their confession uh, in 2000. No, this is reserved for men. So it, you have this cultural sort of weak point where Christians are tempted to compromise, and that's exploited to to crack apart a, a creed or a confession. It's happening in the Southern Baptist Convention. It's happening in my very own denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America. I mean, no, nobody would uh, 10 years ago even dare to compare them to the mainline denominations. But we're starting to see, you know, as liberalism crept into the mainline Protestantism uh, in the early 20th century, we're seeing now progressive Christianity creep into these historically conservative conservative denominations, and we're seeing intersectionality. That, that, that would be an example that uh, the, the, the role of the pastor is a social construct and not dictated and determined from the word of God. And so I've heard some of the arguments over the last few weeks, and I don't want this conversation to get into women's ordination, uh, but 
they go, I know what the Bible says, but here are all the list of women who have preached a sermon and have ministered to me, ministered to me and ministered to my family. Therefore, we should embrace this doctrine and we should embrace this idea. And and you begin to see it's that they're allowing society and culture to redefine truth, to redefine what is acceptable. And it's all, you know, whether it was liberalism or now progressive Christianity, it's all an attempt for evangelicalism to remain relevant in the culture. And that's the, so we will accommodate our message. We will capitulate. We will assimilate to the culture all for the sake of being relevant. I I do want to, Lauren, getting back to you, because you've experienced this in a number of ways um, in a number of college campuses. How are you, for parents that are out there, or maybe some of our younger audience that are in college right now are thinking about going to college, where are we seeing this even on some of our traditionally or historically uh, conservative campuses, whether they're conservative campus or a Christian campus, where are we seeing the Christian left? And, and what should parents and students be thinking about and just be listening and looking for as they're choosing a college? Yeah, that's a great question. So first, I would say if you're going to a secular campus, whether it's public or private, you you need to assume that what they're teaching foundationally is the opposite of a Christian worldview. Um, you go to a college campus and before your classes start, your freshman year, you go to orientation. The first thing they teach you is that your professors are really smart. They're there for a reason, and your parents are really stupid. They don't say it exactly like that, but that's the message they're teaching. Uh, The next is intersectionality. How do you identify as yourself, whether it's your gender, your sexuality, your race, your ethnicity, or something else? And they divide into groups. And that's what community organizing has done over the last 10, 15 years in this country. And so regardless of where you go, that will be the first message you hear. Um, When you go to a, a private Christian university, there's a difference. It's not going to be your parents are are dumb and our professors are smart, but it's going to be make sure you join a Bible study. Make sure you join this Christian organization or this Christian group on campus. But they don't say and make sure you see you see what their worldview is. Make sure you understand what they're professing. And so you have this Christian left that's infiltrating what we would assume is true doctrine that makes sense and is been the same throughout history, actually being something completely different under the banner of Christianity. That's, that's so good. And I think just to just to put a kind of exclamation mark on what you just said, because I thought it was so helpful, um, just like the church, the same we should be thinking about the Christian institutions and, and Christian universities. Don't look just at their statement of faith. That's the danger of the Christian left. You, you could take a historically uh, Christian university and you could look at their statement of faith and go, oh, they're solid. Mm. Find out where their professors studied. Find get maybe some recordings from what's happening in the classroom. What books are they recommending? I would say the same thing uh, for the church. Listen to this pastor preach. What books are they pushing? What who are they listening to? Who are they referencing in their messages? Uh, look look at kind of just don't look at their uh, positions, but look at the institutions in practice, and you will begin to see whether they are holding the line on orthodox biblical Christianity or they're embracing the Christian left. John, not only are you 
co-host and in charge of senior uh, uh, creative production here at Coral Ridge Ministries. But you're a churchman. Mm-hmm. You're an elder in the church, and you're you're listening to a lot of pastors. You're watching a lot of churches across North America, uh, both as a churchman and as a producer. Where are we seeing this specifically? in the church in North America today? Yeah, and that's a great question. And and I am part of uh, the Southern Baptist Convention uh, family of churches. And, and where I see it, you know, when you go into a, a regular Bible-believing church, and there are still thousands of them, and we're, we thank the Lord for them, and many, many faithful pastors, I, I think over and over again, it does begin with a little bit that slippery slope. It's that, it's that tension point. Nobody just sets out to become a, a critical race theorist. You know, nobody right. says, I'm going to be a cultural Marxist today. Uh, but what does happen is there's a tension point with society, and it starts small. And I brought up the women's ordination issue. The, part of the point of that is that it's it seems like a fairly minor issue. Like, there's much bigger thing, and that's the argument that's made. We have a world to evangelize. Why are we arguing over this little thing? But at root, it really does come down to the question of hath God said right back to the Garden of Eden. And so where I find the tension in Bible-believing churches is simply where the 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 teaching of the church, even on relatively minor things compared to, you know, what the definition of marriage is or whatnot, um, it, but the, the, the teaching of the church just seems enough out of step with the culture, which in a way that wasn't true 50 or 60 years ago, that people are tempted to go along to get along. It's not, it's not a wholesale capitulation. I'm going to give up my biblical beliefs. It's, you know, is it really that big of a deal if I call my coworker, he, even though she's a biological woman, if that's what she prefers, is that really that big of a deal? Why make an issue there? And and we can even convince ourselves it would be unloving to make an issue there. I want to be able to get to the gospel. But in the process, you become tempted to give up the word of God. And if you give it up, what we've seen over and over again is slippery slopes are real. It's called a fallacy, but slippery slopes exist. That's where we get the name from. And when you start to compromise on some of these particular issues, for whatever reason, a hundred years ago, it was the virgin birth of uh, the virgin birth of Christ, the virgin conception uh, of of Mary. That was the tension point. Well, now it tends to be more sexual and and gender issues, but. The, wherever you find those those tension points, there is that that those tiny compromises often then begin to become bigger and bigger because once you've started to give in, what's stopping you if you no, have a, a choice word. to make between the culture and the word of God? As a as a senior pastor and one who's preaching regularly, just it, my I just lament at hearing um, men who stand up in prominent churches across America and. Uh, and abandon the sufficiency of the gospel um, and no longer rely solely on its power uh, and the the hope that it brings and it offers the world um, to all of the brokenness uh, in our culture, all of the brokenness in our world. I mean, when you have somebody like Andy Stanley, this prominent pastor that is leading tens of thousands of people, um, not only in his local context, but are, they're watching him literally all around the world say things like um, gay people or my gay friends have more faith than I do and 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 try to, uh, to shame his congregation to thinking like, hey, we've got this gay thing all wrong the last uh, generation or for decades, and we need to rethink kind of the way we 
view homosexuality or uh, making comments that we need to be unhitched from the Old Testament right. because all of those laws that, uh, you know, uphold the, the, the law of God and uphold the holiness of God, you know, really don't really fit our approach to uh, what's happening in, in culture uh, these days. Uh, we've seen it with Russell Moore. We've seen it with Beth Moore, uh, with David French, uh, individuals that 10, 15 years ago I held in high esteem. Yes. Uh, and, and this is where, and I, I know we got to wrap up this conversation. This is what happens. And this is important for our listeners to hear when mission is no longer driven by the message, but instead our mission is driven by the winds of our culture. And so if, if mission is superior and, 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 and actually is the main driving force, that will then drive your message. You will say anything in order to accomplish the mission. And we need to remember historic biblical Christianity is always message first. The message drives the mission. It doesn't matter if it's inconvenient. It doesn't matter if it's deemed old fashioned or irrelevant. We need to remember that our message first, as it's prescribed in God's word as our only rule of faith and practice, drives the mission to our culture. We're all for cultural transformation. We're for justice. We're for love. We're for uh, advancing uh, the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, but it's according to God's word and his truth and not by embracing leftist ideology in order to somehow uh, accommodate our seat at the table and for us to continue to have relevance in the culture. And we can't just reduce the point of all of this, and this is what often happens, the, the point is reduced to, well, we're trying to get your, your spiritual soul into spiritual heaven after you die. Uh, there's there's th That's very important where we go after we die and what happens to our spirits, and and that's, that's a, a key component of the gospel, but it's not the only part of it. We remember the Great Commission says, go baptize them, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And so when we reduce it to just how do you get to heaven without also Jesus' commands and Jesus' instructions, we're we're actually truncating the message. And so, Lauren, I, I want to ask you as we, as we wrap up as well, um, how does someone who is in the millennial range stand up to this? How do you help other people to stand up to this, to stay strong in a culture that now not only says, ah, I don't agree with you, but says you are evil for believing what you believe and acting on it. Like I think the first step is to stop walking blindly. You have to actually acknowledge the problem. And I think yeah. by even listening to this conversation, you're saying, okay, there is something different between the Christian left and the word of God, right? If you choose to just mix that all together, you're lost. And as we've kind of talked about this entire episode, it's, it's not truth. It's not going to give human flourishing to society. It's not helpful in the long run. And I would say it doesn't even help advance that mission if we truly believe that mm -hmm. God's word is infallible. His design for creation yeah. is to live out in what he what he has set forth. So I think number one is identify that there's there's two different worldviews here. There's two different doctrines. And then choose. You you yeah. must choose. You can't take a little bit of one and a little bit of the other. Yeah. And so that comes from a, a place of saying, I'm going to think about this issue. I'm going to understand the issue. And then I'm going to educate myself That's so good. that I can articulate it. it. It's one thing to go to church on Sunday morning. But back to the conversation about uh, college campuses. I went to church on Sunday morning and I saw my professors sitting in the pews at that church. And then in the classroom, they were they were teaching these ideas that I knew were so opposite of mm, the word of God. Yeah. And so it's identifying, 
What is your worldview? Understanding the differences between them. And how it affects all of life. And then taking a conscious decision not to mix them, but to take a stand and then learn how to articulate it. Yeah. Message drives the mission. The mission doesn't drive the mm-hmm. uh, drive our message. John and Lauren, we could talk all day about this issue. I'm sure we'll have many yes. more talks uh, concerning the Christian left and uh, grateful that I have two friends uh, partnering with uh, in gospel ministry that are uh, staying true to the word of God and advancing biblical truth in the public square. And that's a wrap for us today on the City of God podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Um, This is produced in partnership with the Institute for Faith and Culture. It's a weekly podcast, so you can go back and uh, review all of the previous recordings at the cityofgodpodcast.com. Also, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere where you listen to podcasts. There is a video version of this podcast as well, so please make sure you check out the video version on our YouTube page. If this conversation on the Christian left was helpful to you, uh, please, we encourage you to pass this along to friends and family members as we navigate these cultural issues together. I want to thank you once again for listening, and may God richly bless you.